It's me, DJ Envy, with the word of the day. Subscribe. That's it. That's the word. The Alive Podcast Network is global streaming platform that curates the best black creative content in one spot. Just for you, tap in today for $5 in iOS, Android, and AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Finally, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. So wait, do you, are you going to start or you want me to start? Like, cause I mean, it's your. All right. Welcome back guys. And uh, we are tuning into the positive deposits podcast where we transform minds to change lives. And today is a little bit different because I'm going to be sitting on the other side of the table, um, going, uh, sharing my journey, my cancer journey. I know a lot of people are saying, Hey, Presley, how come you're not sharing your journey? You got everybody else sharing their story. And, you know, I was just like, you guys have a point, you know? <laughs> like, I'm encouraging so many other people to sit in their own hot seat. But um, it is important that people do hear my testimony. And um, at first, I was just kind of like, am I just going to just go on live, go on Zoom and just do this and do it by myself? And it'd be like one of those Martin episodes in the beginning and the dark lights. <laughs> And then I said, nah. So um, I, I was starting to think, like, I need, I need a, like a co-host, you know, and someone that has has done this and and is just really good at interviewing people. So I have on the show today, guys, Angel. Um, she went to Howard with me. Um, she's she's a dope entrepreneur, you know, host, and um, and we came in together. So um, I called her up and she said, you know what, I would love to do it. So. Um, before we get started, Angel, you know, introduce yourself to the for the show. Tell us what you're doing, like what's going on, and then we'll we'll switch we'll switch gears and switch table side seats of the table. You know, where you'll interview me, and we'll have the same kind of robust dialogue and get right into uh, my cancer journey. So, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me, Presley, um, and for thinking enough of me to um, help to bring out your story, to share it with your audience. Um, So yes, went to Howard, uh, love media, love interviewing, all those amazing things. Um, But I really don't want to make this about me because it's not about me. This is all all about the man behind, um, like your show, your show, your journey, and um, really uh, connecting people to positive deposits and the importance of it. Um, how the journey was created. And I think that that journey manifested through your own personal story, your own personal trials and tribulations, um, and your walk through having cancer, beating cancer, having cancer, beating (laughs) cancer, and now bringing us to this space where we can share your story. That's not just a story, but a testimony. So. Amen. Preach, preach. (laughs) So, Presley. Um, even before we get into, uh, your journey, um, through cancer, I want the audience to get to know the man behind positive deposits, the man behind, um, Kappa Alpha Psi, uh, as a member, um, 
all of the amazing things that you have been able to do, the awards that you have won, the legacy yeah. that you are not only building for yourself, but for your child. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about like, I mean, we can even start at Howard, but you know, as a child, like how did you see your life unfolding? Like what were the, your dreams that you wanted to always achieve? You know, it's, it's so, um, and you know, I wasn't uh, ready for that, but I, I'm, I'm glad that you went through that because we have to, you know, kind of dissect this. And I know this is part one because, um, you know, I got diagnosed twice. But um, when, you know, growing up, it, it was, um, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about like college and things of that nature, you know, like parents, divorce household, you know, um, and so um, I started to, to try to figure out like, um, just life, you know, um, especially because being um, a part of a divorce household is tough, right? And, you know, and, but um, I, I persevered and I, um, I, a counselor has he asked me a question like, hey, you know, um, what do you want to do after, you know, high school? And I was like, I don't know, you know, like, um, but she was like, you should definitely expand your education. And so I started to look at some schools and my cousins said, hey, you got to come to Howard. So um, I was like, but why? They was like, Howard is where you need to be, you know? Um, and so I, I blindly went with, with Howard. I actually got into Clark Atlanta. So I almost went to Atlanta first, um, but I didn't understand like financial aid. So went to Howard and that was a, opened a whole different world. Um, and the, the things that I saw like um, from, uh, what's that, school days and stuff like that. Um, so when I went to, came into Howard, I, I just started to just go through what I wanted to do, which was engineering. But then I started to understand, um, like, I wanted to be uh, not a face in the yearbook. You know, I just, I didn't want to just be a face in the name in the yearbook. I wanted my, uh, I wanted an impact. Yeah. And so I'm a very outgoing person. So uh, the first people you meet on Howard University's campus is Campus Powell. So I was like, I don't want to be a pal, you know? And so I went out um, in 2002, made pals, um, then became like the treasurer, then became, um, I actually brought in a group. So that was just kind of that, that entrepreneur, that leadership type of vibe. Um, unfortunately, I had to stay at Howard a little bit longer because I was very ambitious. One of the, um, my childhood dreams was to be like Ben Carson. Now, knowing about Ben Carson now, I don't know if I would want to be Ben Carson, but I wanted to be, you know, a, a child neurosurgeon. So I had switched my major to engineering and then took on uh, a bio. You know, I did a, trying to do the double and it just didn't fit. The timeline didn't fit. Um, but in the midst of that, I became a part of a member of Delta Sigma Pi, the international fraternity Delta Sigma Pi. I wrote a road chapter where it's probably one of the, one of many, some um, business black organizations. And so... Okay. And even in then, I took on leadership roles. I was thrown into be the vice president of finance, which is a treasure, and then um, part of the pledge committees and things of that nature, but really stayed connected um, with the campus. And then Kappa came along. And so uh, I wanted to be a Kappa before I came to Howard. Um, I, I attended like a semi uh, Kappa league, but it didn't work out. And um, yeah, I, I, I made Kappa. So everything I made for the first time, you know, and I'm blessed because a lot of times people have to go out again and again and again, but I always made sure that I presented myself and just really persevered. And um, so 
yeah, became a Kappa, became the first pole mark when it came back, you know, and, um, and then I went to the workforce, you know, um, where I, my first job out of Howard was at Deloitte. I was a, a forensic and dispute associate. Um, it was new in DC, uh, but then the recession hit. And, and from there, I had to navigate through being laid off and dealing with uh, those trials and tribulations of that um however you ended up in the financial yeah so how that happened was is that um so i got laid off in in the the first quarter of 2009 um and it was one of those like uh last hired first fired type of type of ordeals and um and i it, it was a blessing um but it was tough you know to to go through unemployment and all the other stuff but um i'm gonna stop you there because that to me is a major obstacle that society is dealing with right now. Yeah. That as a whole, we may not have always known how to maneuver through some very difficult and trying yeah. times. And yeah. one of those times is related to economics. Yeah. So how were you able to shift and say, you know what, I just got to roll with the punches and keep moving? Um, you know, it, uh, it was one of those things where I had to get over myself um, because when I got laid off, I, it wasn't fair. You know, um, I, I had a, um, a manager that was on my back. He, he didn't want me to get hired and he was kind of upset already. So I wasn't surprised, but then I had to get over it because I wasn't making the same amount of money before. I, I was balling. Like I was like, oh, I got a $55,000 bonus. I mean, salary, excuse me. I, I had a two bedroom condo on Chillum Road. And, but then like when I had to get on unemployment, I said, dang, now I got to budget my money differently. And then that was an issue because the money was getting funny. I couldn't sustain my uh, uh, a lifestyle. And then I had to, to humble myself and even humble myself to where I had to down, super downgrade, like to the point as years, years go on and I was able to land a job. Luckily, thanks for my line brother, Arenze, he had um, knew some, he was working at Wells Fargo Mortgage and he knew of somebody in the branch. And so he connected me in, and I got the job, but I had to scale back. To where I was living in Trinidad in, in Northeast DC with a, a one bedroom apartment, no central air, um, one bedroom that didn't have poss- no 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 windows. Like I had to really like humble myself um, because to, one to live in DC is very expensive with no roommate. But number two, I just had to um, think about like going through Howard, you know, like you know figuring out different hustles because I, I I mean I worked like two three jobs while I was at Howard so I had to really tap into my my mental right and change that mindset because if I didn't change that mindset then I would have I probably would have just I might have been homeless I'll be honest you know because I just that that was the the struggle but dealing with the A building is a struggle yeah <laughs> well let me, let me say this though just to fast forward us a little bit yeah have you ever thought about the parallel between how you made it out of that situation? Because you just said it could have been really bad to the point where you ended up on the streets. Yeah. But have you ever looked at how you overcame that and how you overcame your diagnoses? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I think about it all the time. And uh, especially because like, it's I'm a big believer that whatever you put in your mind, how your mental is, it is going to drive 
your whole body. You know, the head is 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 the the captain of the, your destiny. And if you're sad, your body's going to feel sadness. If if you're angry, your body's going to feel angry. So, um, you know, that was one of those things. The the parallel was like, okay, I've been through a lot through my life, through like the the, the divorce with my parents, through navigating through Howard, almost getting kicked out, but still persevering through that. You know, um, to now being laid off and and that was the one layoff. Then I had got a laid. I didn't even talk about the other lay. I got laid off again from DC government in a in a in a contracting job. So that was you know that was tough too to to feel like you got back on your feet and then all of a sudden at the snap three months later you know politics and you're back at it again where you're now I'm a I'm a, a teller at Capital One Bank and on University of Maryland's campus like I got a degree in finance I should be a banker. Why am I, you see what I'm saying, like a teller, but I had to eat that humble pie because I had to, you know, just go through the process and trust that God had my back and, and was able to maintain some things. And so, um, yeah, it, it helped because um, with, when I, when I first got diagnosed and I, I don't know if we're going there, we're going, we're taking it there, we're going to, so, so I'll just paint the picture. 2012 um, was an interesting year. I was 29. I was, um, approaching 30 and you know it's cbc time you know cbc and dc is it's lit you know that's 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 where you have to not only have a nice suit but you have to be able to network and pace yourself oh yeah and pace yourself because <laughs> if you go too hard you won't make it to 10 o'clock because right. there's so many different events and you don't and you have to kind of have your own monopoly map to which event you need to be at because you could be at a, one event but that's not the the the, the event, you know. Um, and so um, I was at the um, I forgot the name of the magazine. I know uh, my man's would be mad at me because it was his party. Um, but it was at B Smiths before it was closed, Union Station, and um, but be, be, uh, and that's when it happened. But let's go back a little bit. So I was a banker, um, and at that time I was I'm still good shape, kind of slim or whatever. I started to notice I started to pick up some weight. And so as I was picking up this weight, I was like, oh, this is great because, um, you know, I'm tired of being skinny. I'm trying to, you know, build up some muscles so I can, you but know. weren't you working out though? I was working. I was working out, but, um, but yeah, I was working out. Yeah, I was doing my P90X. That's when P90X was a thing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, see? <laughs> and so I was, I was working out and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm getting the gains that I want. But then I started to notice that I could not like button up my uh, dress shirts. Like I, I like you, it almost looked like I was at after work where, you know, where you, you, you unbutton the top button, the, the tie is kind of loose. Like, and so, but I could not button it and I didn't understand why. And so um, on top of that, I started to get these migraines mm -hmm. and these migraines were very, very heavy. Um, so one, um, I used to take Tylenol 3 for them because I, you know, Tylenol 3 is, is prescribed and it's very strong. So um, those nights, it, it just felt like a sledgehammer was just hitting me in my head. So as, um, as that's happening, a lot of cold sweats. So during this time where I'm like getting this weight, um, I, it looks good on me, you know, but I started to, to feel these migraines while I was at work too. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And so I didn't think nothing of it. And I didn't go to, I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't go anywhere. And um, so then that was that. And so CBC comes around and I, I'm at B. Smith's, I'm in my suit, you know, I'm just chilling, negotiating, trying to talk to this person, trying to get, you know, homecoming parties. So I'm just trying to, you know, mix and mingle. And um, then in the midst of me talking and even, you know, drinking the champagne that was passing, it just hit me again, like the, the headache. And I was like, dang, this is crazy. You know, like, I don't have the Tylenol threes with me. And I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna just push through. Let me pace myself. So I go from B. Smith's to now the Renaissance Hotel um, on 9th Street. There was another event and um, we were, I was walking through the hallway. I ran into my man, Jerron, um, and he was like, yo, bro, you, you picked up some weight? Like, you know, like, all right, I see you. I see you. I was like, yeah, man, you know, just trying to play it off. But then obviously trying to push through the pain. And then I ran into my other line brother, Emmanuel, and he said, man, you don't look too good, bro. And, um, and he studies, he's, he's a, he's a doctor now. Um, but he studied, he was studying biology and medicine and stuff like that. And he was like, yo, like, seriously, like, you don't look, you don't look normal. And I was like, you sure, man? Like, you know, and we're talking the hallway away from everyone. And, um, as he was talking to me, the pain started coming back again, you know, the, the, the headaches and what I think was migraines. Um, kept moving so I'm me I'm a person that I keep it moving Wait, you didn't tell him like yo well actually I got these like migraines like you ain't say nothing to I ain't nobody? say nothing nothing I ain't say nothing because that was that pride you know I was very prideful because I didn't I, I don't like people to pity pity mm -hmm. me you know and um I'm just thinking it's just a migraine you know I'm, I'm not thinking of that I should go to the doctor I should this doesn't look right you know um but once I, there was an after party, you know, there's always after parties during CBC. It was at Adams Morgan. It was an art gallery. I was with um, some of my, um, my sands, which are people that cross the same time for those that are not Greek. Um, and we were a private event and he's, uh, Josh brought me to this private event and we were sitting there and then it just, it was too much. Um, and it was so much where I was like, they were like about to take shots and I was like, I gotta go. Um, and at that time, um, my phone died, my phone died. And I said, I need to find the nearest hospital. Um, and luckily I knew about Providence hospital. So, um, I rushed to Providence hospital and I was in the emergency room. Um, and there was, it was packed and I was like, yo, this is crazy. Um, I talked to, I checked in of course. And the lady's like, well, it's gonna be like an hour wait. And I said, ma'am, I understand, but my head is about to explode. I don't know what that means. I don't know if I need to say, I got a bomb, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what you need. But like, and she was like, well, you need to sit down. And so I sat down, but after a while I was like, if I don't get there, I don't know what's gonna happen to me. So, um, and it's really, it's really hurting bad. Like I, I, I gotta get in there. And so I pressed her out and luckily she, she kind of saw like the veins was coming outside of my neck. Um, and she saw that I was so in distress. She was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll go back and get somebody because it does seem like it's taking a little bit long. Um, so I go back in um, the room and I'm just kind of like, really don't know what to do. My phone's dead. I can't contact anybody. And um, so then they do the CT scan. And so I'm sitting in the room 
Uh, and I'm like, CT scan. So what a CT scan is, for those that don't know, is that you actually stand up, you know, um, and there's radiation to do like an x-ray. Um, after we did that, I was sitting in the room. I'm like, why is this taking so long? Because, you know, when you go to the hospital, people, you don't like hospitals. You want to get in and out, you know. And I was so scared about Howard Hospital, you know, at that time. It's probably better now. But Howard Hospital, uh, you'll yeah, be in the you know what I mean? Like, um, but then, then the doctor came back and, it, and that was, that was the, the, uh, the cliffhanger because the doctor was like, um, we did your scan, uh, but you can't go nowhere. And I'm like, why can I not go nowhere? Uh, you have a mass about the size of this in your chest. In your chest? In my chest. In my chest. Um, he said it's almost, it's literally you know, it's growing rapidly. It's almost about like six inches, six inches in your chest. And so, um, and that right there was the, um, the moment that I broke down. Um, because when you say a mass, I watch Grey's Anatomy, you know, I'm very familiar with those terms, not in depth, I'm not knowledgeable, but anytime mass is involved, it's just usually cancerous. And so they were like, well, we're going to have to keep you overnight. And that's the moment I had broke down and I had broke down. Um, I, um, I was just, just lost because I'm like, if I have cancer, I'm 29, about to turn 30. And um, this is what life is. I started crying, man. I started crying. Um, and um, I was pissed because I don't have a phone, right? You know, I can't call nobody. And that was a moment that I had to, to God, I think Phil God was like, I need to sit with you for a little bit, you know? Um, and, and I asked the doctor, do you have a charger? I mean, you know, you got a universal charger. He was like, let me see what I can get. And so during that time, it was just, uh, I was by myself, me and God just sitting there like, you know, um, well, here we are. And I finally got the charger. Um, but, um, and I call, I call one of my, one of my close friends, you know, um, and the first thing they did was pray with me, you know, um, and I, I appreciate her, you know, um, because one, I didn't think she was going to pick up. I mean, it happened to be my ex, <laughs> happened to be my ex, but we were always close friends before we, you know, crossed that line. And that was the first person I called, you know, I was the first person I called and she said, Hey, we got to pray. You know, we got to pray. Um, and uh, we prayed um, and, uh, you know, I cried it out, but she, she said, you're going to be all right, but I need you to stay. You know, I need you to, your faith to be strong. Mm -hmm. I need you to be strong. So, um, and then um, hung up the phone and then I was just like, I took a deep breath, right? Because it still didn't, it was, I still couldn't believe it was true that this could be something, but you don't know that until you get the biopsy. So, I stayed, I stayed in the, I stayed in the hospital. Um, I told, I called my parent, I called my mom, um, and, and my sister, cause they live here, they lived here locally. And so, um, I was, um, they were like, are you serious? And, and, and I said, yeah. And so I'm going to be in the hospital for a while and, um, they got to do some tests. So yeah, that's, that was heavy. That was heavy. I felt like my life was just flashing like before me. I'm like, Cause you always hear about these things with other people, but when it's you and you're, you're approaching a certain milestone as like 30, you're like, um, 
You know, why me? That's the question. Why me? We did the biopsy. I had to stay in the hospital that whole entire time. Did the biopsy, which is a, a small microscopic um, claw that they put in your chest to, to tear, take a piece of the skin so they can test it. And, um, and they were like, well, after they did that, they were like, and I was in the hospital for a minute and I, I don't like being in a hospital. It's just like, it's like cool. overnight, same day. Like when you say minute, give us some. Oh, so, so basically when I, when I went in there that, uh, CB, the 3am, the CBC night, I didn't leave out of there until the 27th. So probably about like five days. I was in the hospital for about five days because they, because of the size of that mass, mm -hmm. they did not want me to leave the hospital. Um, and what so, was their fear? Their what? What was their fear? Um, they didn't. They didn't know what type of cancer it could be. Okay. They didn't know. Um, so they uh, there was three diagnoses that they thought it was. Where um, one was it was just uh, a cancer that, and I forget the name of it, but a cancer that is based upon all the junk that's in your body. You know what I mean? Um, so that would be surgery, um, and then. There was another one uh, um, that they said they didn't, they're not sure, but then they were like, it may be like lymphoma, but we're trying to figure this out because we've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. And so um, as they're coming in doing tests, um, I'm in the hospital bed, but I, I got I to gotta shout out the support that I had. Um, one, not only my family, my mother, um, Andrea, um, my sister, Leslie, but then we talk about my friends, you know, um, and you know, Jeremy and, um, and like Taz and, um, man, my Kappa family, they all came in. My Lawn brothers, you know, just kind of just came in and visited me. It was lit in there actually. <laughs> um, but when I, when you talk about support and when you are really going through some things and you, the, the people that show up, you see what I'm saying? You never forget that. You mm -hmm. never forget. You really understand who your true friends, who your advocates are, when that when that type of stuff happens and so um as i was in the the um the hospital for these five days um it it and um it was um it was very cool but then also too the doctor finally you know kind of came back and said all right you have um what is called large b-cell lymphoma i'm just like what is that you know like these it's i don't know what that is and basically the large b-cell lymphoma is very rare and it, you and you we don't see cases in, unless the patients are like 50 to 60 years old. So think about that. I'm like, so I'm getting this early. Mind you, they don't see this um, until I'm like old, old, you know, and 60 is not old now. But, you know, I'm like, so and I don't have any history of lymphoma in my family. Mm -hmm. um, so but large B cell lymphoma and you need to start radiation, you need to start chemotherapy ASAP. And I'm like, well, what does that entail? Like, how do I take it? Do I take a pill? It was like, oh, well, you got to do surgery. And the surgery is your port. So you have to get a port. With a porter cath is it goes inside your chest. It's like a button. They say, AKA your button, but it's underneath the skin. And it, once they do through IV, the chemo goes through your body. And so I've never had any surgery. So that was another thing. I'm like, so what is that? And, um, you know, go through the anesthesia, and then, you know, you get the, the port put under your skin and it's annoying, it's very annoying. And, but still everything was just still, uh, it was just like unreal. It was very unreal, very unreal. This was a lifestyle change, you know, like 
chemotherapy. How is, how am I going to pay for this? You know, like, um, so thank God for insurance. You know, my insurance covered a, a chunk of that. And, um, but I had to come out of pocket a certain amount as well too. And thank God for, thank God for insurance. So I will say for anybody, make sure you know what type of insurance you have for any type of emergency, because if I didn't have insurance, I'm going to tell you how much the hospital stay was. $135,000. If I didn't have insurance, I would be, that's why a lot of people are in debt, you know, because of, because of treatment. And so I had to start treatment. And, um, and that, that first, that first day was very um, interesting because um, you go in, you walk into the room, and you see all these people, They're, they have their stations. You have their, like gas, it's like a gas station. Everybody has a station. They're getting these, this, these chemicals pumped in them. Some people are getting iron, some people are getting chemo, but it was a lot of older folks, you know? And they're looking at me like, why are you here? You know what I mean? Like, um, but then there was this one, there was a younger um, female that was in there and she was younger than me. She was 18, had stage four um, cancer. Um, and so I was like, well, you always know, like, you got it, somebody else has worse. So um, I had to go through that. And um, it was it was the first first time getting chemo is, is not fun. You know, um, these, it's five bags of chemicals being put in your body. And they need it. And I had to get R-CHOP. So R-CHOP is, um, is a little bit different um, than most most it's very aggressive and um there's a red bag uh um they call the red devil and when when you get that red devil it's it's the devil because it's, your body's on fire you're like it's like hell and and but that's what you need to for that that treatment and so um but then i started to feel the side effects of chemo mm -hmm. um and uh i was at work and I uh, was in the back in the break room and then I was just like, I was tired because chemo, some of the side effects of fatigue, you know, nausea, all this stuff. So, and I just did like this and I was just like, dang, I'm so tired. And when I did this, literally like half of my head, the hair came out. So just imagine you, you, you know, you're in the break room in the middle of your shift, you see what I'm saying? And you just like scratching your head or whatever. And then I looked and I said, and I said, boss, I got to go, you know, um, <laughs> and he's like, why, you know, like you got some appointments. I was like, all right, uh, just come in the back. And I was like, this is why I got to go. And he saw that and he was shocked because it was, it was like a big spot, you know, of hair. And so, um, your hair loss is, is a part of, you know, chemo, uh, the side effects. And, and then I called my barber and I had to, um, I that's when I went bald. And but then I, the Lyme brothers, they also end up, or some of your close friends cut all their hair off as yeah, well. Yeah, so, so, and this is why it's, it's so dope. Um, so Lawan, um, I have to give a shout out to him. Um, so he's a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, real close um, with my chapter. And, you know, he didn't have to do this, but he, he rounded up about five, five noobs that were close knit and said, hey, you know, you know, press is going through this, this, this bullshit. Excuse my French. Yeah. It's just this BS. And um, so we're going to do something dope. So until press is done with chemotherapy, 
we're going to shave our heads. And I was like, you don't got to do that. And this was at a happy hour. I was doing the, uh, the Wednesday happy hour, Bar 7. Shout out to Bar 7. They definitely uh, held me down during, during that time period with the happy hours and things of that nature as far as like fundraising and, and such. Um, but um, yeah, they, they cut all their hair off and, and, they, and they kept kept it bald until I was finished. And, and so shout out to the, to the noobs for doing that because like that type of support helps because um, going through cancer is dark, man. And especially when you don't want to hear um, the sorrows of, of other folks, because that's what happens. Sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, this person's going through cancer. I'm going to connect you with them. The first time that I actually had a call with this person, they were like, I'm going to die and I don't know what to do. And I said, um, <laughs> it's like, already it's not what I need to hear. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude, but I, I thought this was going to be a more encouraging. We're going to encourage each other. And, um, you know, this may be the last phone call that I have, <laughs> you know, just because it's like I said before, prior in the it's beginning, all. it's the mental, you know, and the thing that got me to persevere was going through Kappa, going through Delta Sig, going through Powell, going through Howard and, and, and finding that inner strength to, to make myself happy because no one can make you happy but yourself. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm I'm still struggling, struggling, not in front of everybody when I go home, you know. And I, luckily, you know, I had a I had a, a pit bull at the time. Um, his name was Ali. Rest in peace. Unfortunately, he had to get put down. Um, but uh, you know, it it was nice because animal sense. You see him saying things, right? You know and and so there were, I see many pictures um, as I flip through my Google photos of where we were just sitting there. I got the bald head um, and we we're just laying there. But not only my hair, eyebrows, mm -hmm. mustache, mm -hmm. all hair gone. Not to get too personal. No, understood. We got you. <laughs> um, so let's, let's go back a little bit. There's a okay. few places that I feel like we just kind of, Breeze pass. Yeah, yeah. Let's and go back. that very first one is when you were told. Yeah. Right. I feel like, you know, I remember when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. Um, and I don't think that anything prepares you to yeah. be told, especially if you're young. Yeah. Um, prepares you for somebody telling you, yo, you got the big C. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you can share with us what that moment was like, and don't jump to another story, because I got right. other questions. Let's, let, let, let's take it back. So um, it, was, it was really, um, it was hard to, it's a, it's, it was a, a horse pill to swallow. It was, it was I, um, at that time, um, when the doctor came in, and um, really good surgeon, I forgot his name, but he looked out because he kind of, like saw saw me so shout out to the black surgeons and the people on and and the nurse that was on on deck because it, they they control how fast things go mm -hmm. you could be sitting in there and you don't get no answers and you have to beg somebody but um uh no when he told me um it was a black doctor who told you yep black doctor black doctor that was on duty and um he was in the military so he was like you're not gonna like this but you you ain't going nowhere <laughs> but um but I, I just I just froze I, I was it's like time just stopped and I was just sitting there and 
I was devastated, you know, like I was, I was hurt. I was hurt because I started to think about my grandmother that passed of colon cancer, my other aunt that passed of cancer. And, you know, how come I didn't, didn't know this was going to come to me, you know? Um, but then also too, is like, what do I do now? What, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just now getting on my feet. You know, I started Wells Fargo again, you know, like going through all that, that now, once again, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming God because I'm like, now I got to go through another struggle, you know, because I don't know what I'm getting myself into or what does this really mean? Like, what do I do? You know what I mean? This is life changing, you know, and um, this is messed up. You know, I was angry um, because I didn't want to be that person. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to be labeled, you know, like, or felt sorry for because, you know, when you hear cancer, you're like, oh, you know, like, okay. I'll be praying for you, pat on the back, the church pat, you know what I mean? Like, right. Um, yeah, that's, that's alone, right. Yeah, I was by myself and, and I, I, I didn't know what the next steps were going to be. Um, I was so anxious too, because I'm like, let me know what it is. You know, like you, you think it's, uh, you know, like you, but, um, and then, yeah, I mean that part of it, you know, I don't want to skip to, you know, but that part of it, yeah, I was just, I was, I was, I was stuck. I was really stuck in it, stuck in, in a, in a, in a dark place quick, a mm -hmm. really dark place quick. Um, cause this is a life changer, you know, like a lifestyle change totally, but I don't know how to navigate that. I didn't have the instruction manual, you know, like to prepare myself for, you know, such news. Um, yeah, it's just, it wasn't. And I was like, this ain't cool. This ain't cool. So how did you pull yourself through? You shared the story of somebody trying to connect you with somebody and their mindset not being where you needed their mindset to be. So what, where did your strength come from? Um, my inner strength came from, uh, one, just God, putting my faith in God. And, you know, one thing about, you know, faith, you can't question faith. Um, so you have to put those things in the air. So if I knew that, um, if I can um, get through Howard University and the struggles that way, you know, if I can deal with, um, you know, just the, uh, the layoff and, and feeling upset about that um, and getting kicked out of my condo and things of that nature, um, he, God's not going to put you through anything that he knows that you can't handle. And so I had to constantly remind myself that every single day, because there were those times where I was just like, yo, I don't feel good. Like, this is, um, this is crazy, you know? And so I think that helped me to get to be very resilient, you know, um, and persevere. And cause it was a constant reminder. It was the, I, it was what I was telling myself and I had to keep reminding myself, but also to um, sh shout out to Angelica. Um, Angelica, uh, was a friend, mutual friend that I met through Jeremy. Um, and she would come and visit. She would, um, but she would treat me normal. Right. And it was, that's what helped because I didn't have anybody. She didn't like pity me or brought it up like, well, you know, dang, I'm so, I feel so sorry for you. Just like the lady on the phone. It was more or less like, yo, let's go out to trucker room or let's, you know what I mean? Like, what do you want to do today? You want to play video games? You know, you know, to create that normalcy because 
Um, it, it was a distraction, but I, it made me feel good. And that helped me as well um, because I was like, I can do this, you know? Um, okay, so people are gonna, and I started to have to have conversations with myself. So people are gonna ask you, why did you cut all your hair off, right? And, and instead of telling them cancer, what would you tell them, you know? And I said, hey, you know what? I'm, for those that I didn't, did not wanna know or whatever, I was just like, you know, I'm just trying something new. You know, I feel like MJ, you should say, <laughs> I feel like MJ, how do I look? You know what I mean? Is it, is it cool? Um, and so uh, I just started to build my own confidence in, within myself. And then having, being a promoter in DC helped too, you know, the events and, and having that support as well. So I had a lot of cheerleaders, you know, um, but I did have some people that were upset with me because I didn't tell them you know, but that's what helped me get through, just the, the support and the mental, mental um, cheerleading of myself. Um, I would say that's what helped a lot, a lot. So um, there's this one movie and I'm sitting here and I'm like wrecking my brain trying to think of it. And it's actually one of my favorite movies okay. um, of the two um, friends. One of them gets diagnosed with cancer and his other friend is just like, yo, like, this is what's been wrong with you. You didn't tell me type of thing. Yeah. Um, can't think of the name of it. But there's a scene in there that reminds me kind of like what you were talking about, like when you were actually going through chemo. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, did you ever become close with anybody while going to get chemo and then they ended up dying? Was that ever like a thing that you ever had to experience? Oh, like somebody else getting chemotherapy? Yeah, like, so you know how you, you said it's kind of like the gas station, everybody yeah, yeah. in there. Um, no, so nobody died, but um, I mentioned, and I wrote this in my journal, um, the girl that was 18 years old, stage four, um, and I was wondering, I'm like, well, her hair didn't fall out, you know, like, because I don't know too much about cancer, so, but um, I had a conversation with her, and she was just like, yeah, this sucks. You know, I'm 18, um, I have to do this, but, you know, I, I'm gonna be okay. You know, I didn't, I'm not getting any side effects, but that I should be, but I can push through and I know you can too. And so this is someone that's 11, 11 years younger than me saying, we got this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I never saw somebody die, but, Going every time I saw her, it gave me like, yo, I could, if she's going through this and she's 18, I know I can, you know, fight this I fight. This. You know what I mean? I got this, you know? And it was so inspiring. And then um, she actually finished chemo before me. Um, Cause I, I asked the nurse, I was like, hey, where's, um, where's such and such? And she was like, oh, she finished. She finished last week, but she told me to tell you, you know, keep pushing and you'll be fine. And I was like, I wish I could have, you know, just gave her a hug or something because that was, that was, um, that was inspiring, you know, to have such, um, you know, strength and, and not, a, not much fear, you see what I'm saying, um, at an age that young, you know, like just coming out of high school and you have to deal with that. And so, uh, shout out to her because that was my motivation, you know, that was really my motivation, but I never experienced anybody, you know, passing. A lot I of mean, that's good. That's great. That's, that's amazing. But I'm, I just, it made me think of that when you were sharing the story about like, you know, going in there for the first time and like going through that experience. Yeah. So we talked about the when you figured it out. 
you know, and had to deal with the um, diagnoses. Um, We talked about how you were able to kind of adapt and the things that you had to do for yourself to ensure that you were okay, right? That spiritual uh, muscle that you had to build, um, building your tribe, the people that you felt like you could trust and that you wanted to be able to share this experience with and for them to be able to show up for you. Um, I think where I would like to go from here is, you know, on my show, I do something called like moments from the valley. Yeah. And we got like 15 minutes left. Yeah. And so I'm curious to know from this situation, was there a point in time that we have not discussed yet that you felt like you were in the valley, that you did not know how you were going to get out of that situation? Um, so what that situation was, how you got out, and then what was waiting for you on the other side? That's a great question. That's a really good question. Um, I think uh, the valley is a is a is a is a uh, a low spot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, so, like, you know how you was gonna get out that situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, <clears throat> dang. So yeah, during um, one thing I can think of is that so for you have to always get checkups throughout the whole process. And um, after you get to a certain point when there's no more, so after my fourth uh, round of chemo, we did this, the PET scan, CT scan, um, and there was there was no more cancer. However, um, they you have to finish out. You have to finish your treatment. When I had got that fifth treatment, Cause I, um, because of R-CHOP, because it's so, such a, uh, an aggressive chemo, I had to get it once every three weeks. If I got it too frequently, it would have been too much. Mm-hmm. When I got that first, fifth round of chemo, um, that's when, um, when I really, really felt it. I got extremely sick. Um, even um, coming, out of the, coming from the session, and I was driving myself at the time, um, in the parking lot throwing up, literally throwing up my lungs um, and driving home, you know, um, and then still being sick the next couple of days. Cause usually when I get chemo, I'm good. And I, you know, I have my new Lasta. New Lasta is a shot that's kind of like helps with the, you know, protect the white blood cells and, and bring it up. But um, that, that, that was a low for me because one, this, there isn't any more um, key, um, any more of the cancer, but I have, you know, like the side effects were tremendously, um, they, they sucked, you know, like I was throwing up often, very tired, um, more tired than I was before the prior treatments. And um, there was times I was just like, I got really depressed. I got really depressed because I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, there ain't no, there's no more cancer, right? And, but I have to get this treatment, but now I'm taking this treatment, like, and I had, I asked the doctor, do I, do I have to still finish this treatment? Like, why are we still doing this? And, and so I, um, there were times where I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to be bothered. Um, I, my support was there, but I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, um, and I would, um, that's the moments I would, I would be crying in the shower and just, just feel, I just balled up 
curled up, you know, like, and um, until I, I think that it was the second week going into it and I didn't go to work that week and, and I had, and I had a dream. So it was like, I had a dream where it was me meeting me again. And so in the dream, I was still in a hospital. So, and, and, and came me, you know, but I had like all my hair and stuff like that. Like, so I'm seeing a, another image of me and I'm like, what are you doing here? You see what I'm saying? What, like, I, I'm confused. And my other me was like, why did you go so hard in the beginning to fall right now? And the me sitting in the bed was just like, I mean, like, I'm done. And then the other me was saying, you're not finished. You still got two more laps, which was the, the treatments to go. So instead of putting yourself down, you need to, to finish this race. And you need to run a little bit stronger and a little bit faster than you have. And so um, I woke up and the dream was too real. Cause I was like, I woke up, like, I'm like, okay, I'm not in the hospital. Okay, I'm not tripping. But I had to really just say, you know what? That's, that's true. You know, I'm blessed to get to this point. Yes, this part of it is, is, is gonna be hard, but then I, um, then I was just like, nah, I gotta keep going. And, um, and that's when I started to kind of just like really um, be out there, you know, with, with doing events, I'm going to the mayor's ball, you know, just still living life and, and, and then really just, really just being comfortable, just sharing my, my story, you know, like, cause people would call and, and, um, and I, and, and I would be more excited and hype. And they were like, I called to cheer you up, but then you cheering me up. And, and, and my friend from Cali at the time, he was like, man, you know, I was like, man, like, I thought that you would be kind of in the slumps. Um, and you're not, you know, like you, you really are, um, you know, uh, you're okay. You see what I'm saying? And so, um, and that was, that was, that was pretty much, um, that was my, that, that, that macho moment or just me seeing myself, like really bringing myself back to, to the, to the same type of uh, motivation, but even taking it a little further and not feel sorry for myself. Cause I, that's what I started to feel. I started to feel sorry for myself and, and just started, to, that momentum started to kind of just go downhill. And so it was that, it was that charge, you know, the defibrillator, like, come on, wake up. You see what I'm saying? You know, but that was a blessing. That was a blessing in that, you know? So this show is called Positive Deposits. Yeah. And through the valley, through the diagnoses, through um, the future diagnoses, which we will get to on another segment. We will. Yeah, I know. It's time is coming there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But there had to have been some moments of positivity, some moments of growth, some moments of inspiration. Yeah. Can you share some of those positive deposits with us? Yeah. So one a positive deposits, and it's, it's funny that you haven't been on the show, but towards the end of the segments, we talk about those things that are going to transform minds and change lives. And um, one was uh, the, the positive thing about it was um, uh, having a doctor that cares, you know, making sure that 
one that you are asking questions you're you're trying to understand your diagnoses because i think that that helped me a lot to understand and, and really do the research it was kind of like having your own class again you see what i'm saying but like really having those flashcards in your memory so you pay attention to some things because i one part that I, um i didn't mention is that a radiologist wanted me to get radiation and um and i was like no you know and if i didn't stay in tune with my doctor and i wasn't knowledgeable i would have got radiation just because he said it and i would have had heart damage so thank god that didn't happen so knowing knowing your um your doctor and, and making sure you're knowledgeable asking questions another thing is is that never um never sell your sell yourself short of your support system let people know because you will be surprised how many people are in your village and want to support you and and and, and give you that love i missed out on a, a lot of people you know that that found out you see what i'm saying they found out and they were pissed you know because they were like i would have never let you go through this by yourself you know this is this is that's something that and the howard family is is strong so shout out to the howard family you know i mean not knocking anything else but shout out to the howard family because those people that i didn't share that they were they was like man i, I would have been there for you and and um so don't be prideful do not be prideful you know I'm not, and I'm not telling anybody, for anybody that's listening to this, I'm not telling you to share with the whole entire world if you're not comfortable, but, you know, let people know, the people that care about you, um, let them know, let them know, because those are people who are going to support you outside of your family, you know, outside of your family, because family, you're going to tell them, right? Um, and then I think um, last but not least is, is um, it's mind over matter. It is mind over matter whatever you put in your head it starts to grow it's like inception right i don't know if y'all seen the movie that small little seed can grow and grow so for me i had to say i'm going to get through this i'm going to make it through and ain't nobody stopping me you know and so those are the three that i can just drop right you know right now i know we're running short on time on this part one of this this journey but yeah no 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 you're great i just want from the positive deposits right yeah. now i would like for you to share how you have been able to translate that into other areas of your life yeah um so i would say that um after the the first first um after the first time you know i'm i was um i was selected you know to pursue um to be a, a hardwood hero for can coaches versus cancer um i took uh that was a, a a cool journey because i was able to to not only um raise money for cancer but i was able to to really meet other cancer survivors that are just like me or had the same some of the same diagnosis but some similar to so to pursue that and i went to texas you know to to pursue that um even starting this nonprofit, you know um was uh, was huge and i actually put this on hold this first time so the on part two we'll talk about how this 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 came to fruition but um just um even in just anything that i put my my mind to especially in the workforce um i've been one that goes above and beyond and i'm able to see the challenges as just small little hurdles to just jump over and then just continue to inspire others you know 
um, around me um, and be a mentor and, and, and be a part of the community like with Kappa and, and just my, my, my younger frat brothers and, and being involved and, and being that inspiration because they're looking at me like, wow, you know, you've gone through cancer, you know, you're, you're around, you're mentoring us, you're, you're very active in all the organizations that you're a part of, but that's crazy because most people that go through cancer they kind of go, they kind of go, um, you know, dark, or they are in their turtle shells. They don't really talk about it. They don't really want to, you know, because they're like, I, I went through that. Nah, that's the half past me. But that's that healing that they are still holding on to. And so, I hope that answered the question. Was that? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you've talked about how you use that same strength to um, breed prosperity in other areas of your life. Yeah. So I think that that is beautiful. And I feel like we have come to the end of this hour of- Man, yes, we have. And, um, and so for, um, for those, this is part one, part two will be coming soon. Um, and we will have our lovely host, Angel, uh, dig into the second piece of it when um, I had uh, got diagnosed with stage four. You know, so large B-cell lymphoma was this, this part of it in that journey. And we'll talk about that um, second journey coming soon. So until then, uh, we are signing off. But if you are tuning in, just make sure you subscribe to iHeartRadio. We on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. Um, and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask of you, Angel, plug, I want you to plug whatever you are on, you know, because you're a lovely host. And, you know, I want people to know where they can find some of your work too. Yeah, you guys can follow me on social media um, everywhere. Angel and Livis, uh, name Angel, letter N, L-I-V as in Victor, A-S. Um, you can also check out my documentary that recently was released on Juneteenth called I Am Black. It's a whole new platform with great content and information about really what the Black experience really means and what it is. Um, so yes, that is me in a nutshell. Thank you for allowing me to uh, have this opportunity to interview you Presley yeah, this has been no doubt, awesome. no um, and hearing your story is amazing and inspiring um, not only to people who are going through the process or survivors but people who um, just need to be motivated and to understand that there's always somebody going through something that their story and their journey can help yeah. push you through whatever your situation is no question no question well we'll uh, until next time um, uh, we're signing off